0: You're having tea with Alice. This episode is one that I recorded and I was going to put it out on Thursday, but I had to listen to it before I put it out and I decided I wanted to run it past somebody who had mad skills on audio because it was recorded on my phone and so the audio quality wasn't good and I didn't want to just put it straight into your ear holes without some sort of high fancy remastering. So uh, this is this is Monday, the 5th of May day after Star Wars Day, which I call disappointing prequel that made you question your faith in Lucas Day. Uh, 5th of May is the day before the 6th of May, which is the day that my show, Everyone's a Winner, opens at the Factory Theatre in Marrickville in Sydney. If you're in Sydney uh, or if you have friends in Sydney, please tell them to come along. It's at the Factory Theatre from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Sunday, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th and 11th of May. The 10th is my brother's wedding. Uh, My twin brother so uh, if you can imagine if you listen to Thursday's episode it's been a lot of emotions all different ones all in a pile of the last couple of days Um, which means my publicity for Sydney hasn't been great but not as in people have said mean things as in I haven't been doing the amount of work that I should be doing. Uh, That said I've very much enjoyed having a bit of a break between Melbourne and now, and I'm very excited to get back onto my show, which I think means that I'm properly refreshed and happy. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everyone, 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 who sent in amazingly kind letters and tweets and messages on Facebook and all of the things. It's overwhelming that I have such nice people on side, on my team, listening to me caring about my life that's really really amazing anyway i had this talk with andrew judd he is uh well i'll let you i'll let him explain who and what he is he's an old friend of mine from we studied english honors together and i always enjoyed conversations with him he was very close friends with my brother who shows up very briefly later in the conversation you're having tea with alice
1: With my life. Mm. Um, well, I'm now married to Steph. Yes, I
0: was. Lovely. I was there at the engagement party. I oh, think.
1: Of course, you were. So. Thank you for being there. Oh, it
0: was my pleasure. It's really yeah.
1: special. I I completely forgot about it. It's was so long ago. Um, and uh, I'm a minister um. now. I'm a reverend. A reverend. Yeah.
0: Wow. I'm safe. I feel I feel reverence. Yeah. Well, thank towards you. Towards you.
1: Um, I think I meant. To, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um. So, the Reverend Mr. Judd, and I work full time in a church, which is the idea. So
0: that was the idea. When
1: I went to uni, I knew I'd either end up as a minister or an atheist, so I <laughs> went with a plan A. Open
0: mind. Yeah, yes.
1: I did, well, <laughs> I kind of tend to do extremes. Um,
0: well, you can, it's an interesting one. I, I'm, it's a more um, Jesuit attitude. Are you a Jesuit?
1: No. No, an Anglican. Well But
0: that is quite a Jesuit attitude, right? They have that kind of
1: all or nothing embrace kind of...
0: the doubt fiery kind oh, of. Yeah, 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 well no,
1: that's I think that's just good theology. Some of the best theologians have been doubters. Because it's doubt, that the kind of cognitive dissonance between two ideas that kind of force you to re-examine the the actual doctrine which holds it together. Because doctrine is all about internal consistency. Yeah. And so the engine <laughs> of that development is I know this is true, I know this is true, but how can they be true together?
0: But then the doctrine doesn't change, does it?
1: Well, the way I see doctrine is we we have a revealed body of knowledge, um, which is a you study as a literary kind of fact, Mm. but then we try to piece the different bits together and that produces doctrine. So it can change Yeah. because your understanding of what's true changes. So when I was...
0: Like the law, maybe?
1: Well, a little bit. I guess the... um, you start off life with a, a, a certain understanding of how the world works. So, I, I think God wrote the Bible.
0: Yeah.
1: Then you discover that people wrote the Bible.
0: Yeah.
1: And that sometimes they have their own personality.
0: Yeah.
1: In that in that work, and sometimes they don't know about those things, uh-huh. and sometimes they use a standard of accuracy which I wouldn't have chosen. Uh huh. When they say there's seventy thousand people walked down from the temple, well, was it seventy or was it sixty nine thousand nine hundred ninety one? It's kind of a big question. Yeah.
0: Is it Um, important? Is it
1: important? Whose standard of accuracy applies? And so you go, oh, the Bible must be broken Uh because I found a problem. Yeah. Uh, And then you either do the lazy thing, which we're all prone to, which is you uh, feel a bit superior for finding the problem with the Bible and uh, go away and mention it over dinner sometime with friends. Uh, Or you actually go, hang on, maybe my original assumption about what it means for God to have written the Bible is wrong.
2: Mm.
1: Maybe... It's both true that humans and God wrote the Bible, but how can that be true together? And that's how the theology of Scripture is done. So okay. taking what the Bible says about itself and what smart people before me have thought through about the Bible, by mm. um, like trying to produce a picture of the whole, it's kind of a, a process moving from the, the parts to the whole.
0: I have a friend who's a Mormon, right? Or was, or is a Mormon, uh, but he's lost his faith.
1: Okay.
0: And he came to me for some reason. (laughs) Uh, I can understand why you would come to you, Alice. You're
1: a nice person to talk to. I'm a
0: nice person to talk to, and I have had my own, I guess, reconciliation and otherwise with my upbringing. Hmm. Um, But he came to me and he said he'd seen the movie There Will Be Blood. Okay. And part of the Mormon faith is this kind of. Constant practice of belief. It's, there's a lot of ritual, and then also this sense of sort of uh, union in church, kind of a tra- transcendental, transporting kind of unity feeling. And he watched this movie, There Will Be Blood, and he had the revelation which he had never had before. He was maybe 25. Mm. He had the revelation that that could be faked. Right. Or that there could be other reasons for that feeling than God, that it could just be people together yeah. making that. And and he, in that instance, he completely lost his faith because that feeling was what he predicated his mm. faith on.
1: And the Mormons are big on that. Mm. It's, it's a religion founded on um, kind of read it and if, if, if it's true, God will tell you that it's true and you'll feel that. Yeah. And you'll know it when you feel it. Yeah. And I've been invited to read the moment the um, and, and see if i feel it yeah and, yeah. See if I, and I think that um, i don't want to get all rationalist and say no it must be uh, hard deductive processes which lead us inescapably to the conclusion but um, i do i think that's almost inevitable isn't it if you have a, a faith based on just a subjective experience yeah without all the other things that make us human and i think um, i'm because the su- rational, subjectivity the... shifts, right? Yeah, and how you, all experience must be interpreted. So his problem was not that he realised he hadn't had the experience, but the interpretation of that experience.
0: As unique to yeah. godly. And so his problem was not that he'd lost his faith. I think he was a, fairly, a man of fairly high integrity, mm. and he felt, felt like if he had lost his faith, he couldn't keep pretending. Except he had a wife and a kid. Right. And a family who were in the church. Yeah, yeah. And his wife was a late convert to Mormonism, so unlikely to change her mind about it. Yeah, yeah. She'd had her crisis and, and yeah, so on. That's interesting. And yeah. come to Mormonism. Now he was having this crisis and going away from it. And he, he said, I don't know whether to tell them. And if I'm going to tell them, am I going to keep living as a Mormon with everybody knowing that I don't actually have. Mm. Faith, because a lot of the faith is in this practical way. It's like five or six times a day they have to do something.
1: Yeah. i saw a show on Mormonism, uh, particularly on the Mormon spring break that they run,
0: oh. and of course,
1: I, as a, and I, I apologize to um, anyone who knows more than me, which is most people about Mormonism. <laughs> um, but apparently, you need to be married in order to reach the highest level of heaven, and so. It's very important for a young 20-year-old. I mean, no, more than normal. Like, mm. normally, kind of, 20-year-olds are keen to to hook up. Yeah. Uh, but th- but here it has a, a spiritual, a theological kind of...
0: Purpose. Um,
1: yeah, like impending.
0: Yeah, yeah, like you, yeah, You
1: can't actually reach the highest... Um, to, that's how this show, this documentary, presented it anyway. Um, and so they all get together in the equivalent of the spring break.
0: Yeah. But all
1: Mormons. So no alcohol, no kind of... Um, you know, presumably not, not much sex going on. Just all kind of... Together, trying to find their it's eternal
0: thrilling hand touching. Yeah, it
1: was, and it was it was amazing. The, the cops busted them on one of the um, one of the nights. I think we we're quite disappointed to find out that it was just Walkers? raucous kind of yeah raucous fun. kind of cordial drinking. Oh. Um, which is uh, some, there's something sweet. sweet about that.
0: Oh, uh, when I was living in New York, I used to go to the Highline Park, which is a repurposed train tracks. So they've made it right. into a garden. It's a walking garden, and you'd see the Orthodox Jewish people out on dates. Not Touching, walking side by side, having these conversations, not looking at one another too much because that's sort of.
1: Yeah, found upon. Yeah,
0: yeah. and that was, I found that very sweet.
1: Do you think that, we can kind of postulate all day, but do you think that kind of lowers the watermark Mm. such that if you were to glance your finger across the others?
0: Absolutely. That would be,
1: you know, a rush of hormones. This
0: this was my thing. Um, So, there's something, there's a thing that I do occasionally. I don't normally drink apple juice.
1: Sure.
0: But sometimes I'll drink apple you juice. You go wild. I'll drink apple juice and then I'll water the apple juice down mm-hmm. over. I'll drink it every day. I'll water it down every day mm. for like two weeks until it's more water than apple juice. Yeah. So it's just water with a splash of apple juice. And then you drink straight apple juice right. that's the most amazing thing that's yeah, ever happened. intense. Right? It's
1: like reverse... Is it homeopathy? Homey- homeopathy, yeah, homey- yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh, it's something... And that's kind of... I mean, for me, I didn't start dating until very late after I'd left home and went to Cambridge because until then I was kind of looking after mum and I felt yeah, of course. rightly or wrongly that I had too many responsibilities to be right. Um, to be fair to somebody, really so yeah. I'd been very kind of shut down in that uh, and so then I went to Cambridge and got it was so thrilling and I felt like a teenager and it was this thing where people around me were sleeping around and having mm. feeling quite jaded about it and I was just really excited that someone had walked me home and like held hands and like that was really yeah, amazing to absolutely. me because I had started, as you say, from further back and so I do think, yes, I think people very easily and very quickly become used to things yeah
1: Absolutely.
0: So I think it would be very thrilling if you're a Mormon who like just accidentally whatever it is your foot touches or something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And how is your love life?
0: Huh. What was I talking about?
1: Um religious good people. Your religious words. good
0: people. Don't Come, I don't come across them very often. Partly, I think, because they tend to stick in t- communities mm-hmm. of themselves, yep. and partly because I think a lot of people are lazy, sure. and we'll choose of the parts of the teaching that they follow the more, <laughs> the easier and more venal ones. Sure, you know. Well, where they can be judgmental of other people and where they can kind of... That happens. And much as I think there are... So partly it's my lack of experience and partly it's because I think there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who are not the kind of Christians that you are or that Jared McKenna is, even though you are different kinds of Christians. I just haven't had experience with people who I would class both as overtly religious and good. I think,
1: like, so I know a lot of Christians. So I can only speak about Christians, but um, I feel like most of the Christians I know are not that dissimilar from, from you me and Jared. So Jared does come from a different side of
0: Australia. I think Australia, a lot of them present themselves in a way, but I think not a lot if you dug quite deep. I don't know. This is me being judgmental. Uh, just from my, in my experience, you are two and two among a small. I'm I'm
1: mean, I mean, very much enjoying you, including me together with Jerry, because I've had a little bit of a, a bit of a crush from man a crush. distance, a bit of a man crush from a distance. I don't know him. my sister knows him, um, um, and I've heard great things about him, and I enjoyed your podcast with him. But yes. I was hoping he might you know, be here. Yeah, well,
0: this. he'll he will come uh, next time. Next time that next he's time in we, Sydney, yeah. not in Perth, I, I yeah. will get you guys to talk to me about this because it is an interesting thing. I want to ask you... Do you know what I
1: think it is? What? I think it's that we're better at explaining across worldviews. Huh. And I think that's where this comes down to. Because, to be honest, if you um, if you reduce a, a, a diametrically opposed worldview to a soundbite or to a Twitter, a tweet, mm. um, you can tell I tweet all the time, mm. um, you were going to sound like moral monsters to each other. Yeah. Because the, the there's a whole kind of... Um, you're literally talking across purposes, whereas I think what Jared's very good at doing, and what I'm training to be good at doing um, don't claim to arrive there—is try to communicate across a worldview, so that uh, when you um, kind of at the surface, level will bump up against each other. On um, kind of, and it's always social issues, which is kind of the—it's like the focusing on the least important part of a sculpture. You know, it's kind of like the—it's it's where they cross over. It's important, but it's not like the. To understand Christianity, you, you can't just rely on uh, looking at what controversial things the City Morning Herald will pick up that mm. seem outrageous. The reason they seem outrageous is because they're just from a completely different worldview. So, I, I mean, I think there are things that I think which at first glance make me a moral monster huh. to many people. So, I mean, very. did you see the, the hoo-ha when I got married? Yeah. So, I, I got married people and like my my wife chose to... Um, promise to submit to me Uh now in that sentence sounds hot sounds really really hot and yeah we do regularly have quite hot sex but um that wasn't what she was talking about um the like that just sounds incomprehensible Mm. but the thing is that you know me yeah and the, the friends of ours who thought that sounded ridiculous and told us so know us enough to know that i'm not what they're imagining yeah right and if you can, I mean, people who know my wife know you that you
0: don't seem the symbol of the hard-fisted no, patriarchy. No.
1: Not not heaps. Yeah, um, and uh, the closer you get, the more kind of that cognitive dissonance comes in. Like, hang on, but they're not. Steph is not a little woman at home, barefoot and pregnant. Yeah, right. She's
0: she's going to be equal reverend.
1: Uh, yeah, perhaps if she finishes her studies. Um, but but even just relationally, like I'm I'm never going to want to, but even be able to, like, just people kind of uh, were quite confused by that. Yeah. Um, and I think if we seem more good, mm. um, I, I just think that that's because you've been a better listener and I've been a better communicator.
0: Possibly. Uh, I do have a reaction to some people who are overtly religious in the way that they express themselves, I will withdraw and get go away from it. Sure. Um, so there's two things first I, wanted, I want to explain that more and then I also want you to say if you I presume but I'm not sure that at some point you went through a similar thing of going, if none of this is true
2: mm-hmm.
0: do I still think it's a worthwhile thing to help people in the way that being a reverend would allow me to mm-hmm. help people Right? If God doesn't exist, are you still happy living your life the way you're living your life?
1: Absolutely not. If God doesn't exist, then I am... I should be so depressed. (laughs)
0: Really? And that's why,
1: for me, when I went to university, it was either... Absolutely. I was either becoming an atheist or a minister. They were the options on the table. A lawyer, briefly. Yeah. That might have been part of the atheist thing. Well,
0: Um, the church needs lawyers. (laughs) It's true. We
1: really do. Um, But... Yeah, absolutely. If, it, if, it's, if this is a lie, then it's the most hideously twisted, manipulative... I mean, even just think of those poor people who give up their salaries to support me so I don't have to work so I can do this full-time. I, in good conscience, I could not take their money. Interesting. Even though they give it freely, I'm not, I'm not one of those kind of, is that God's money in your pocket type preachers? Yeah. Um, but even just well-meaning, like I, I, could not, I could not do what I do. In good conscience, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. I baptized a guy recently, mm.
2: um,
1: who, on returning to his home country, may well be killed mm. because of that baptism. And it's not a theoretical possibility, right? Like he is, yeah, yeah, yeah. like his visa has expired. Yeah. So, um, so for me to baptize that guy, knowing that he could well be killed as a result of that when he goes home to, I not say what country, um, it's it would be immoral for me to to do that,
0: even though he feels that that's worth doing.
1: It's only worth it if it's true.
0: I find that interesting because that, for me, is the
2: test. I don't realise this is a dog. Hello. Yeah.
1: Henry
0: Fraser has just arrived, my twin. We're doing a podcast for you.
1: And you should join in.
0: Oh, yeah, We're talking about apostasy. I was, apostasy. I was talking to, to Andrew about the fact that, um, for me, the test of how I want to live my life was if none of the tenets of Buddhism that I grew up with were true would I still think it was a worthwhile way to live my life and I asked Andrew Jad whether he had had that same thing and decided that it would be worth being a reverend because of the good that he can do even if God doesn't exist and he said no.
1: Absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not so I mean because a lot of Jesus' teachings make zero sense unless he's right so I mean he says turn the other cheek so kind of um, bringing in or kind of um, promoting a principle of non-violence in the, in the face of oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only do that. There's this really interesting writer, a guy called Miroslav Volf, who um, reflected on the theology of the Balkan War because he was, um, uh, lived through that. He um, you know, saw the atrocities committed by Christians against Muslims and Muslims against Christians. Um, and his uh, profound insight there is that you can't turn the other cheek unless you know that there is someone more objective than you who will take responsibility for bringing justice in that situation. So the reason why you don't go and exact revenge is because you will always be an imperfect judge on the person who's just killed your children.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: But to turn the other cheek, to to actually not try to achieve vindication in this world, requires you to have a pretty stable belief that there is someone who can put the world back together, somehow reconcile you with your neighbour.
0: Or that it is not worth... Damaging yourself by reciprocating violence—that violence, committing violence—has a damaging effect on you, and therefore it's not worth that.
2: No, I don't think that you, I think you can turn. You can perfectly well turn the other cheek without believing. It. You can be completely pragmatic about it. You can just. You can be cow- You can be cowardly about it. You can say no, it's too dangerous, or you, you know that's the lowest possible. Justification, or you could just be—you uh, know—you could be rational about it and say, "Well, what is it going to achieve?"
0: Or the sum total of suffering in the world will be increased by yeah, a reciprocation of violence. Of I think
2: you can—you can
1: make sense of it in
0: some
1: way. Yeah. Yeah. So there are different. I'm, I'm you, There are different reasons why you might choose to be non-violent. Mm. But letting somebody kill you, mm. while I mean, this is Jesus' story, right? Like he, mm. hes in the garden. He walks into... I mean, he, he walks into a trap in Jerusalem, the most bizarrely underprepared revolutionary ever to take on the Roman army, mm. right, Roman government, and he gets killed. Yep. And his, his followers flee because they realise that they're on a sinking ship mm. and because he won't let them even defend themselves. Mm. To submit yourself to the point of death, mm. uh, you have to either be mad
2: mm. or believe that God can vindicate you even by raising you from the dead. Or that death is better than... Than the experience of being a violent person, like, like, as Ali said. Yeah, so there's, there's different. Or that your death is worthwhile if it is, if it resolves the tension that's going to cause destruction. Or your death is, is worthwhile if it do.
0: cultivates if a non-violent your... world.
2: Yeah. As an example. If you value, if value the non-violent world more than you value your life, perhaps, you know, perhaps you can say you can't do that unless you, uh, unless you. Unless you're I mad. No, yeah, unless you're... Well, yeah, unless I think you'd need... and I
1: totally understand that there are other non-violent religions. I'm not mm. kind of um, naive about that, but... In you
2: your have world, to have, yes. Yeah, you have
1: to have a good reason mm. for believing that it will work out in the end. Because, like, if there is a blind universe which neither knows nor cares... Yeah. Uh, then why should non-violence always end in any particular direction, apart from just some are going to get hurt and some are going to make a better world, but mostly... It'll be random. So you have to have a belief in something Mm. that guarantees or at least gives you hope Mm. that um, your actions, counterintuitive as they are, Mm. intuitions are very well developed to tell us at the point where someone gets out a sword to either fight them or run away, not to just submit yourself to that. Um, I think you need a very good reason. So the reason that Christianity gives is that Mm. there's a God who will put the world back the right way up and is beginning to do that. Um, but if that's not true, then you need to. I don't think you can keep on living in that worldview um, with, for very long. Because the other thing is, um, the difference between Christianity and what you described, you know, the, pra- the praxis, you know, the, the actions of Buddhism, yep. um, Christianity is almost the opposite, where uh, you, it, it is adoption of children. Mm. God actually says that he adopts into his family. And you can be a very, very bad son or daughter, right? You mm. can not turn up to family dinners, um, but you're still a child. Likewise, you can turn up to someone else's family dinner and not actually be invited and still not... That doesn't make you a, a son or a daughter. Um, so the, the Christian image is of relational, impossible-to-break adoption, mm. not praxis. No, I mean, obviously I, I kind of try to read my Bible and stuff, but that's, that's the least important thing.
0: See, that I find very interesting... Because that's kind of the opposite.
1: It's almost exactly the opposite. I think you can't really
0: pretend, you can't, or you can't just be without doing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just being, just accepting,
0: mm.
1: just receiving. And that, I think actually that's what's hard about Christianity, is actually just receiving grace, a gift.
2: Mm.
1: So uh, someone came up to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, his answer to that is a very interesting story we won't go into. But the point being, you've misunderstood what it is to inherit something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't work for an inheritance. You receive it as, as just, just the gift of the Father. Um, and so these are very, very different. And that's why I, I, I enjoy talking to people from different faiths because, as a, you know, an amateur curator of world religions in the, kind of the art gallery of Ultimo, where I work, there's <laughs> all sorts of world views there. Um, I celebrate the deep differences. Because I think they're actually what make them beautiful. I, I really, I don't know how you could go through life just thinking they're all superficially the same.
0: No. Yeah,
1: they just seem utterly boring.
0: Well, I mean, that's like saying everyone who has a religion is human.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true.
0: It's true. Well, we don't well, know about the honey honey badgers. They seem to be pretty smart. But yes, you know what I mean. Um, there are similarities but that I think arise out of human nature rather than the fact that, they're necessarily Mm. all aligned along to a certain point. This is the other thing that I was... uh, The second point to uh, my question about whether you would still behave as you do if you didn't believe, whether you would still think it was worthy. Um, The second part was my... I say you and Jared are some of very few people who I would uh, class as both good and religious. I have an antipathy towards people who come at me with their belief, particularly when I feel that it implies a status judgement of Hmm. me so there was a person that I used to work with who was of an orthodox religion who wouldn't shake my hand because I was a woman right I found that offensive to the point where I really didn't didn't want to sit down and have a conversation with him about his faith. Yeah,
1: it's a bit of a non-starter, isn't it? You
0: know, he would say, well, I can't shake your hand because it's against my religion, and I would think, well, I'm not going to have a conversation with someone who's not going to shake my hand. Yeah, it's... And that's, you know, as you... Uh, you know, it's defensive and uh, resentful, but if... There's, a, there's an implication there that I am less than...
1: Absolutely. But, but you've actually respected his religion by mm. taking it I was, yeah. by taking it seriously. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the, the number one way to disrespect someone's fundamentally important beliefs is by assuming that none of them ever rub up against each other.
0: <laughs> well, um, I did, uh, on occasion, on purpose, in a packed lift, deliberately stand next to him. <laughs> that's all because,
1: I mean, you, you can't confront not, with that. That was pretty,
0: that was pretty angry on You cannot just well, that's, that's lovely.
1: That's yeah. lovely. Isn't that lovely what you... Like, you can't. You actually have to have a moral reaction to that worldview just to, just to demonstrate you've understood it. you yeah. understood what he's saying. And I, I think that's the other thing about um, people misunderstand tolerance on this. Like, mm. you can understand what someone believes, think it's morally reprehensible, mm. and not kill them. Yes. Like, that, That to me, is... And still treat them like a human being, though one you disagree with profoundly and probably can't be friends with.
0: Yeah. Well, I just felt like... I understand the justification for that, which is that women are distractingly sexual, right? But in this environment... In that case, so. it was a professional environment. So. In a professional environment... Absolutely. That is not my foremost personality. That's not the, the level on which we are interacting. We're interacting as colleagues. And in that context to treat me as a woman before colleague is offensive. Yeah. Because and it implies that I'm somehow less. Absolutely, and
1: I would agree with that. And I'm comfortable saying that I think he's wrong
0: yes. about religion.
1: What, a, what an
2: intolerant thing for me to say. Yes. Can I ask a cheeky question, John? Please. I've just been stewing over the, the, the grace thing, the inheritance thing. So if you, if you just have to inherit grace, right, then what, why go out of your way to become a minister and do all this hard work, when actually you could just, you could inherit grace, you'd go off and live a worldly and comfortable life mm. and get rich because you're very talented. You would, make, you would make so much money if you did something moneyly, monetarily uh, directed. So why be a minister?
1: Um, and I think in, in asking that question, you've understood that I, I don't have to. I'm, I'm only compelled by love. Yeah. And that is, I mean, nice. that is, I just, I love God, <laughs> so I, I want to know Him better. Mm. I, I love Jesus' teaching, so I want to understand them better and teach others
2: to, to do Do you get, this is, this is really cheeky now, so I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Do you get like a better seat in heaven for doing it, or is it just it's just that it means you get to experience so love now? Here's the thing, right? In bonus hat. In the book of Mark, um, halfway
1: through, mm. Jesus tells his disciples, Um, It's been a mystery mystery so far who he is. He's been doing all these incredible things which no one can deny. He's healing people, people are getting very angry um, or love him, by the way. But he hasn't told anyone what he's here to do. And then he says at the end of um, the first half of Mark, by the way, I'm going to Jerusalem to be rejected by the leaders and killed and on the third day I'll rise from the dead. And they respond to that with arguing about who's the greatest. At which point he says, you... What? Like, and he asks them what were you talking about on the road and they don't want to tell him because they feel slightly embarrassed about it but they just haven't got it because it's an upside down kingdom and so if, if the guy at the top of the universe makes himself into a human being dies for people who don't deserve it uh, as middle managers of the cosmos we really can't kind of lord it over those underneath us right like our attitudes towards other people power becomes not something to be used for your own good but for the good of others so I think um, even the question is not you were cheeky so I'll be cheeky back it's the wrong it's actually an upside down question
0: yeah. you
1: can't be great in a kingdom of servants
0: there's an interesting tweet that a, a Canadian comedian who I like a lot Deanne Smith put out the other day she said stop asking me what I want to achieve in comedy I do comedy because I don't believe in your so called achievement right you know, and it's that it's that sense that you have that the priorities are different, yeah. and uh, the the goal maybe or it's you just you, it's a different language or a different axis of judgment. I like axes at the moment as a as a thing. Yeah, you know? it's an
1: upside down worldview, and this is something that people struggle with a lot um, in a soundbite kind of culture, mm. um, because it's not who's at the top, who gets to use their power for their own good, but um, A friend of mine wrote a book on humility. Uh, Now, if you put together a list of virtues, now, these days, probably in your top five would be humility, right? We we are cool with that. Um, A a lot of cultures historically haven't had that high on the list. Mm. Um, So it's actually quite counter-cultural. I would argue that we
0: don't have that super high Um, on the list. Okay,
1: maybe.
2: maybe, maybe.
0: So in in, uh, lay life. Aspirationally, perhaps. Yeah.
2: inspiration. Well, people does. love to say, that's what everyone says, when they're, when they're feeling at their very mo- their most proudest, they all lie and they're like oh I feel so, so humble. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, like, that's a lie. Yeah, it's a total lie. <laughs> but clearly like, but just glowing still, with a kind we, of a brain
0: erection of yeah, yeah. self-congratulatory people, people
2: still nod to that as the correct virtue to have in that situation. Yeah,
1: so it's, it's we've been trained to aspire to that. Um, it's interesting like at, we've got lists of virtues from Jesus' kind of general thought world, you know, kind of Um, the Greek, the Roman, the Jewish, the um, Egyptian kind of thought world none of those lists of virtues as far as this friend of mine who did this research can find have humility on it Um, and so this, I'm sure Jesus is not the first person in the entire history of the universe to think that it's a good idea to be humble but it's it's certainly peculiarly kind of Christian obsession Mm. that you use power not for your own good but for the good of others, Mm. not pretending you don't have power because we do have power, I've got friendships, I've got money in my wallet, I've got a law degree (laughs) um, your wife will
0: do whatever you tell her to do. That's, that's <laughs> almost
1: funny. Um, <laughs> as long as it's what she thinks is right, yeah. anyway. Um, to, I have this power, but if I use that power as a servant, right? you say that the greatest of you, says Jesus, must be the servant of all? Yeah. Um, you know, servants were not revered figures in the ancient world, they kind of low on the, the status ladder. Um, I think it's, it's a powerful worldview, but it also makes a lot of things hard to understand about Christianity, like why I wouldn't want to be archbishop, but might, you know, in order to serve others. Because mm. you asked about bishops earlier, you know, is, is the idea to climb the corporate ladder? Well, not really, but in well, order to I, serve I other people. I think they said the
0: idea is not to climb the corporate ladder, yeah. and that's why it's nice because you have different measures of success.
1: Yeah, but the the people who do rise high do that out of service to the rest of us.
0: Mm. So
2: it's kind of an upside Some down hierarchy. Well, we have very good bishops here. Now, so I'm yeah, very, yeah, yeah. I'm very blessed. If, if they were idiots, though, would you feel that you were compelled to, to act in a sort of fairly cynical, not cynical, but not cynical at all, but to act in a kind of an instrumental way and go about making your way up to replace them? Yeah. It? You How could about that better. as
0: a thought experiment? Your bishop. Don't is
2: put cool? me down on the record.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: but I think no it's not like there's any
0: recording devices in this. All the bishops I
1: know, all and I do know a few, right? There's Mm -hmm. some kind of professional hazard. Um are there not because they wanted to leave the flock that they love. Yeah. But because they saw the need. Mm. So if that answers your question, I think yeah. Yeah. Um you know, no one really wants to front a royal commission but it's very important. Yeah. No one really wants to deal with kind of dodgy ministers. Mm. It's very important that happens mm. and we were blessed we, we had some I mean um, interesting to see what comes out in the Royal Commission what's going on at the moment but we had some good bishops in that period who kind of ahead of the curve realised that there was this massive problem in, um, in every area of life family scouts police schools
0: institutions I mean the investigation anywhere. is into institutional yeah but,
1: but so the, the realisation at that time in history was not only institutions but also sadly in our families mm. children are not safe yeah Um, and they realised that and I think didn't do everything perfectly, but they responded quite quickly, and I'm glad that they did that.
0: Certainly now, in retrospect, it looks good. Maybe we should wrap this up. we happy? I'm always happy. Okay. What we're going to do is say thank you. Andrew Judd, do you have anything you want to plug other than Barney's Your Church? (laughs) Which is to be found on Broadway.
1: I love my church. Just just come to my church. Come,
0: to your ch- come, come and have a chat to Andrew Judd, even if you don't the believe reverend, what he the reverend, believes. The reverend, the reverend Andrew Judd. Andrew. We
1: have heaps of people who don't believe what we say.
0: Go in. Be confrontational. You'll just be another one, He'll please. will turn the other cheek. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank um, you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, Henry, do you have anything you want to plug? No. No. No, no Henry wants to withdraw from public life. Okay. Oh, bye, You're having tea with Alice.